reality to you and the galaxy. I'm your co-host Scott Patton along with Martin Patella. Hey Martin, how are you doing? Good. Scott, today your announcement about talking to the galaxy is probably more appropriate than you would know. Is that I would like to talk to you about nanominerals. So very, very small minerals? Oh, so small that they are invisible to the uh, um, regular Newtonian physics tools. They're, in fact, smaller than atomic. Wow. Sub, subatomic. So, you know, quantum, quantum stuff. Also, we're getting into the realm of quantum physics, alchemy, yep. and all that sort of good stuff. That's right, yes. Well, actually, the, the word alchemy, well, I don't know exactly what it means to anybody, but to me, it's the uh, physical or, or the practical work that you can do in changing our reality without these uh, super crazy tools like CERN, where they have the 20-mile uh, circuit and uh, trillion electron volt uh, charging where they drive an electron to the maximum speed and then jam it into another particle and then watch what happens when they explode it like that. Mm. Do you recall those? Uh, I, I don't I, even know. If I do. I do recall when that happened. Everyone was kind of worried because they didn't know what impact that would have on reality. And it kind of reminded me of two kids with uh, matchbox toy trucks ramming into each other just because they wanted to see if they could what smash would what would happen, right? Yes. We're, well, we're that's still what young kids, right? Yes, that's what the that's what the uh, quantum physicists are or nuclear physicists are doing. They're just smashing things to see what happens. Well, anyway, this sort of activity has been carried on for millennia, going back perhaps to Moses, um, where uh, people have been able to uh, interact with nature, um, creating these unusual elements. Mm. Ones that, oh, I'm, you know, this, this is hoping that I'm having difficulty finding the words to so, describe it. Okay. So I guess I'll, tr I'll try and say it this way. Um, there is a group of elements, all of them in the transplatinum group, which means gold, rhodium, iridium, osmium, rubidium, ruthenium, palladium, those kind of heavy, heavy metals. Is silver in that group? Yes, it is too. Okay. Yeah. And these, these elements can exist in what's become known as monatomic or monoatomic, right. which uh, is something like this. When you speak of oxygen, um, it uh, exists really only as O2, where two atoms of oxygen are paired up to create a molecule of oxygen. Okay. So that there, there also is, for instance, gold exists in a very similar way, where it is aurum uh, um, auride, as in two, two atoms of gold, each of which has three valence electron fields empty, are hooked up with one another. So it's like, I don't know, a pair, I guess a man and a woman, if you want to be regular with it, hugging closely. But monatomic is when you elongate the atom in such way that instead of uh, one atom of gold hugging another atom of gold, will hug itself. 
so that the three valence electrons that are missing from one layer are actually going to be hooked up with the three empty spots of its self, so to speak. Mm, okay. So oh, it's a single atom of gold is what you're talking about. Right. So that's how these people have described it, but because they really don't have tools to see it, um, I don't really know if they're right. Hmm. But, but the physical properties are these. Instead of being a yellow pliable gold, uh, metal, it becomes glassy, sort of same way as diamonds or or beach sand would look like. Okay, I was going to say, uh, would it be something like sand? Well, when you crush glass into small particles, it, it looks like um, beach, beach sand, right? Actually, if you sit on a beach and you really look closely at the particles of sand, yeah. it looks like glass. Right. And what's really not clear is whether they're made of silica or whether it's possibly monatomic gold. And uh, you wouldn't know because David Hudson, a fellow who spent millions of dollars, thank God he had that kind of money and the curiosity to pursue it, mm -hmm. he, he went in, in the 1990s, about 19, well, it started in the late 80s, and he went public in 1995 when uh, he wanted the world to join him in his inquiry. Anyway, so what he was publishing was that... Um, um, these elements become superconductive, even at room temperature. Um, there's something called the Bose-Bosenstein uh, effect. It was in the late 1980s where David Hudson uh, did a lot of his research, and then mid-90s when he came out in the public on a lecture circuit. Uh, telling the world what his discoveries were. And they were really interesting things. First of all, he was talking about the philosopher's stone, telling the world, folks, I really believe that this stuff that we're describing is the philosopher's stone. And he was also talking about the mono monatomic gold, and he was talking about that it looks like crushed glass, but most importantly, then it is undetectable by standard analytical methods. This, this is where it all started, because he had this material on his fields that would uh, behave strangely. And, so, uh, so what you're saying is monatomic gold or any of these other monatomic or uh, nanominerals can occur naturally in nature? Oh, richly present, absolutely. They're found in, especially in volcanic soils, they're found in, in water, you know, like seawater. Mm -hmm. uh, subsequently, we have learned how to concentrate them from sea salt. You know, I can take Himalayan salt or, or dead sea salt or Atlantic, like Celtic salt, and I can extract using what's become known as the wet method. Um, I can concentrate the armus, the, okay. uh, the nanominerals. Interesting, because I always thought it was something that required a lot of energy and high-tech stuff in order to create, but you, what you're saying is, is it's a very natural um, substance in our planet. Right. In, in fact, I actually have come to believe that all the living things are searching for that. Like when you put that stuff on your field, plants grow 
absolutely beautifully, you know, uh, as in stronger, healthier, bigger. The the f I mean, we have pictures of of uh, walnuts, um, you know, the sizes of uh, small oranges and small oranges the sizes of softballs and and so on. I mean, it's. <coughs> It's amazing what it does do when you start feeding the plants more of this material. Wow, that's very interesting. In fact, I would actually think that rather than ingesting it directly, because it's a mineral after all, it might be the, the best use of this sort of material, is that you feed it to your garden and then you eat whatever, whatever the plants pick up. Because once they pick it up, it's within their, uh, within their flesh, so to speak. Right, right. So, what did uh, what more? What else did David Hudson have to say about the monatomic or the nanominerals? Well, the, the big point was that it was not detectable by the standard uh, standard chemical analytical methods, including uh, spectrographic uh, analysis, which normally is done. You know, you you have a a carbon electrode and you place a small amount of this material on the electrode, and then you run a huge amount of electricity through it, and it just vaporizes the whole thing. So, and then whatever, whatever you vaporize, there are different bands in the spectrum. That's why it's called spectrum analysis. And it tells you there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of iron, a little bit of silica, a little bit of this, this, whatever, whatever. And it tells you... Um, which materials you have and what what the ratios are. So when he handed this material that he collected on his uh, on his farm um, to to the analysts, they they said, um, "Do you need to pause it?" No. <laughs> um, well, sorry about the interruption. This is a live show, after all. Um, so anyway, David David sent this to analysis, and uh, they said, well, you have a, a little bit of silica, a little bit of alumina, uh, and a little bit of iron oxides. So he said, well, remove those. So they removed it, and then, uh, then they said, so, okay, what have you got left? He said, well, it's a pound of nothing. It's, it's not anything, but it looks like glass. So, so that's that's where he got his uh, interest tweaked, and uh, he had to try and figure out what it was. Hmm. And it's it's the monatomic elements that make things grow, that make uh, people and animals really healthy. Um, I, th I think later I've come to believe that it's the interface between the world of spirit. The creation, you know, the consciousness, yeah, yeah, and, and the physical expression of it. Well, it, that's absolutely fascinating, Martin, what you're talking about, because I I read a, a statement that Steve Coleman from Ocean Mana wrote, and I just want to actually read it. It's about three paragraphs, and it's quite fascinating, uh, particularly when you talk about, you know, reaching kind of higher spiritual uh, realms or or experiences. Uh, he's been uh, trying to make uh, he's trying to make something and he says uh, the missing factor is that 
for one thing, you don't have to have the, the gold medal. Of course, there's a lot of missing factors in all of this. I've made several forms of red whatever from several sources now. One of them exploded when trying to boil it a few weeks ago. Fortunately, I was not standing next to it when it went off. It was a lye menstruum that had distilled water added to it. It was having small detonations before reaching boiling point and basically refused to boil. So I increased the amount of heat several times until it just started to boil slowly. I went inside the house and about five minutes later I heard it go off. There was red hydroxide, quote, stuff, unquote, all over the place. So I can just imagine, you know, he's doing all this stuff and it just blows up and it's just like red everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And the 12-quart pot was dry with multicolored residue, mostly red, inside of it. And the burner was still going. He says, I turned off the burner and got the water hose out and started washing the stains off the deck and the house, which was almost 20 feet from the burner, which was in a three-sided enclosure. Two days later, I got very ill and broke out all over my body. I felt better in three days, which included taking... Uh, some M-3 and rubbing it on my body. The sores that formed took longer. However, I have experienced incredible dreams and experienced phenomena I can't even explain since then. Some very difficult to deal with and some like the heart chakra just cracking wide open, which can be hard to deal with and yet amazing at the same time. I don't know what else to tell you from this except that there is a lot more to understand than what we know thus far. Somehow I'm convinced that there is more to the platinum group elements uh, be careful, smile a lot, and love a lot, Steve Coleman. And I think, uh, you know, what he's really talking about is he's working with this stuff, and I guess that's a cautionary tale always, right? Uh, you know, be be careful what you're looking for because you might find it. Exactly. Well, Steve Steve is an alchemist. I mean, we you know we represent several of these alchemists on our website. We have uh, materials made by Don Nance uh, under the brand of. Uh, Ocean Alchemy, and Don and Steve used to live together for some time. Mm. Uh, we have Atlantis Alchemy, which is made by Joe Lello. Joe is in Arizona now, but he used to apprentice with Don Nance. And then, and then we have Don Nance's daughter, Crystal Nance. We have her product under the Parmas Oils. So, so uh, you know, Don is a well-liked and well-respected alchemist that has just given of himself so generously to others. The point I'm trying to make is this. Uh, the work of the alchemist is one of mysterious encounters with reality. If you look at the old alchemical books, they're full of allegories and stories and descriptions, and, uh, and you'll find out that the work of an alchemist was as much a spiritual journey as it was a physical art or a craft. Mm, right, and, uh, and that ties in exactly with what we've been talking about with these monoatomic uh, mm-hmm. metals. Right. You're, you're not only ingesting it after you've produced it, but you're inhaling it as you're producing it, and, uh, and you're interacting with this stuff. And when, when Steve described how he had that explosion in his 12-quart pot, it goes back to, for instance, something that David Hudson was uh, describing in his early experiences. He found that when he left a certain amount of this material in open daylight, if, if sunlight hit it, especially ultraviolet rays, this thing would just blow off and disappear in a flash of light. Wow. So, 
um, <laughs> sort of like spontaneous combustion. Right, right. Which, which we have heard, you know, humans have seen it, done it, experienced it. You know, a person can disappear in a flash of light, a spontaneous combustion. Exactly. The only, the only thing that's left of a person is just the shoes on the ground. Everything else is gone. So and it sounds like I should avoid nanominerals based on what you've just told me because I don't really want to leave just now. Uh, but, Martin, there has to be some... Uh, some well, you should, be care yeah, you should be careful about making the stuff. You should learn slowly and you should leave uh, the dangerous processes to the um, professionals. Right, right. There, there are two basic methods of making it. One is the wet method, which is essentially concentrating what's already in nature. So it would be the, the starting materials would be the sea salt, you know, Atlantic salt, Dead Sea salt, Himalayan salt, something like that. And the, the concentration method is no more complicated than making a soup in the kitchen. You just need to be careful because you're dealing with uh, caustic chemicals. But other than that, it's not hard to do. Uh, and we have the description of this process on the website for anyone to see, whoever wants to do it. Right, right. The, the, other, the other method, the, uh, uh, where you actually start with the metal itself, like you could start with gold or rhodium in, or whatever, one of them, and you could actually rip it apart and turn it into this monatomic material. And that's what Steve was working on. He was boiling this menstruum, which is essentially a highly caustic solution of something. And uh, as he was pushing it towards the limits of what that material can stand, he's hoping that it will jump to the other side. He's hoping that it will jump to the monatomic or that he will be able to concentrate the thing in such a way that, uh, that he can interact with it. So, Martin, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to, uh, to want to be an alchemist and everything else, but it's uh, not something that I know I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to be having, like, fires in my backyard with 12 quarts of something boiling away that causes this big explosion that covers my house in red stuff and gives me sort of boils and everything else. So the question that I've got is, is that, you know, what, what uh, what's the purpose of the nano minerals and and right. why should I be like you've told me enough to scare me away from from the nano minerals and I I'm thinking you know that in my journey in life one of the things that I want to do is get to a higher level of consciousness and and maybe approach enlightenment whatever that may be but uh, as well as having a, a strong healthy physical body I want to have a strong spiritual side as well and and I suspect that from some of the stories that I've read on the Life Enthusiast Co-op uh, website and, and particularly under the nano minerals section uh, in the health education, that there's a, there's a really strong uh, spiritual reason to, be, to, be in, to learn about this stuff and, and also to uh, make sure that we're getting the nano minerals. Yeah, you formulated it really well. Um, that's a fantastic question. It's yeah, to go back to Steve. Of course, it's a, it's a question of concentration. You know, if if a glass of water is um, something that that will keep you away from thirst, uh, a tub of water is something that's going to wash you. Uh, a um, you know, a thousand gallons of water could drown you, right? Right. 
Right. So Steve was doing the drowning experience. You know, when you do too much of a good thing, it's going to be a disaster. It's not necessarily a good thing anymore. Well, that's well, as he overdid it. He had this opening of the heart experience, which is a wonderful thing if you're ready for it. Um, I'm thinking of this material as if it were like an amplifier. Mm. You know, like uh, when when you put this in, it just cranks up whatever you've got. So if your if your wires are full of happy music or happy thoughts, you're just gonna have more of that, like joy to the tenth. If, on the other hand, you're full of piss and vinegar, you're going to have high volume of piss and vinegar. Meaning right, that right. you could you could have a real blowout of anger or things of that sort. So this is something that should not be toyed with in large quantity. It should be worked with slowly and uh, and in quantities that you can handle. So it might be wise to turn to somebody like ourselves with products that we have tested that we know are manageable by even a beginner. Right, right. So, so for instance, the, one of the products that we sell is called The Gift. And um, it, it uh, utilizes one of the aspects of this nanominerals, which is it carries consciousness. The nanominerals somehow remember whatever is embedded into them and deliver it. So if the person that has created this product for you is at a much lower level of consciousness than you are, it's actually going to drag you down to their level. And I've had those experiences when I was first testing these products for life enthusiasts to sell. I remember I picked up this one particular item, started taking it, and uh, I was getting anger and disgust and uh, all kinds of emotions that I have dealt with long ago and was sure I was past. Right. took me a couple of days to realize, oh, <laughs> it's the fellow that was making the stuff that was uh, experiencing this. Right, and when we look at what Dr. Emoto says about water and it's the, the memory of water and everything else, you can see how that could apply to anything that's being produced. Right, and, and you know what? It's possible that the armors or the nanominerals are dissolved in water and are actually responsible for the arrangement of the water and the memory it will carry. Because I really think that it is the carrier of the consciousness of the impulse from the, you know, like when I say, I want to do such and such. Yep. Who is making that decision? Who's the I? Yeah, who's the I? And I, I was, I had this... That's uh, a heavy question. Oh, totally. I had this, I have this image in my mind, and it's something like a uh, stagecoach. You know, there, there are the six horses, and behind the six horses, there's a guy with the reins, and he's sitting at the front... And then, uh, and then behind him is the cab, and in the cab sits uh, this, um, I don't know, what shall we call it, that person that, that hired the stagecoach driver to take him someplace. Yeah. So the stagecoach driver might think that he's in charge of it. The horse may think that he can go wherever he wants to go. Yeah, yeah. But in the, in the end, it's the guy at the back in the stagecoach that says, 
Take me to Paris, son. I'll give you a couple of pieces of gold for your effort. That's right. That's right. Who so who is, yeah, who is speaking when he says, I want you to have a painful experience so that you remember? Right? Yeah. <laughs> who makes the decision for you to marry the woman that's going to make the next 15 years, um, well, whatever. You know, the experience that you wish you hadn't had. Yeah. <laughs> who makes that decision indeed? I'd like, and, to, and then, talk, I'd then like to talk to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, I have a little metaphor that I love to share. It's a, it's a little parable, and it goes something like, um, there's a farmer, you know, this is the 17th century, somewhere in Europe. Uh, the um, farmer has a son. They're working the farm. Uh, their, their female horse, the mare, um, uh, is in heat. All of a sudden, this wild stallion arrives and is, is courting the mare and um, stays there for a while. And the neighbor said, hey, this looks like a good deal. All of a sudden, you have not only a mare, you have even a stallion with it. Uh, what a good luck. And the farmer says, well, you know, good luck, bad luck, who knows? Sure enough, three days later, the, the mare and the stallion break through the gate and, <laughs> and run off into the bush. And so the neighbors are saying, oh, such bad luck, you lost your mare, you lost your mare. And farmer says, good luck, bad luck, who knows? Well, three days later, the mare comes from the bush, pregnant, and uh, his, the stallion returns with her. So now, the next thing we have is the farmer's son trying to break that new stallion. He gets thrown off the horse and breaks his leg. Oh, such bad luck, such bad luck. Yeah, such what bad luck, yeah. Yeah, well, good luck, bad luck, who knows. A week later, the uh, emperor's uh, uh, crew comes through the village, uh, hijacking every young man to come into the next war that the emperor is fighting. All young men, they're all taken, except the cripples. They're, they have no use for a guy with a broken leg. Good luck, bad luck, who knows? Right, right. That's a right? great story. I, I, I really love it, and I, I wish I'd told it even better than what I can do. But the, the point with this farmers, too, right? Uh, what's it going to do? What's it going to amplify? What's it going to bring into your life? Well, you're in control of that. So when you take it, I recommend to beginners that they take the gift because it's been programmed to open the human heart. It answers two questions. First question is, am I safe? And the second one is, do I have enough? Mm. Now, the, am I safe? That's the fear, right? Is it okay for me to speak in public? Is it okay for me to experience something I haven't experienced before? So that's the fear of the unknown, fear of the public speaking, fear of the failure, all of those fears, right? Yeah. The second one, the do I have enough, that's the one that drives Bill Gates to continue to work even though he has $50 billion. It's the one that drives Tony Robbins to continue to do his, uh, his uh, seminars every two weeks even though he doesn't have to work another hour in his day, in his life. Right. It's the, it's the workaholic 
you know, impetus that we have. And that feeling that we just aren't something enough. We're not good enough. We don't. We don't have enough money. Yeah. We don't have enough love. We don't have enough yeah. health. We don't have. And uh, yeah. to yeah. be able to, it, which is always a very stressful um, situation. Yeah. Situation, right? Where yeah. There's there's the other aspect of it, which is the hoarding. You know, the pack rats. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this will come handy. You know, people who fill their I don't know houses with every scra- scrap of paper. You know. Yeah. I. Yeah. I, I was I was helping a friend move, or I should say, clean out an apartment after a deceased uh, mother. That place had oh department store bags that were twenty to twenty five years old that were neatly folded in a box under the bed. Wow. She had she had dozens and dozens of these beautiful things. You know, every plastic bag that she ever brought home was carefully folded and, and set aside just in case it might get needed. Hmm. Anyway. Um, and that's not to say you shouldn't be prepared, but there's a uh, there's a realistic expectation there too that has yeah. to be Yeah, how many yeah, how many bags will you need in your lifetime? Yeah. Yeah. Certainly not uh, Anyway, it, it was it was amazing. This was a one-bedroom apartment that had a content of a three-bedroom house, Italian. Wow. You could probably hardly walk in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everything was... There were lanes and alleys. Uh, everything stacked up to the roof. To the ceiling, I should say. Anyway, um... Where do we go from here? Well, we're talking about the gift in particular and that it's been programmed to answer those two questions. And I guess part of what this whole conversation is about, and and I think, Martin, we're going to have to spread this over a number of podcast episodes because uh, it's such a deep topic, is the impact of what you put in your mouth and the, the, the impact of that on your spiritual growth. That is the scariest thing if you're really... If you really think about it, you are what you eat. Mm-hmm. You know, the temple with, with, within which you dwell is built um, by the foods you ingest. And when you eat something and you get such an impact as you would with something like the gift, you really see that connection. Because I think in, in most people, you know, and, and I say that I'm asleep too, uh, as we go through life and we pop an ice cream cone or we eat a hamburger or we drink a Coke or, you know, some of these things that we know long term are, are not going to be helpful for our general well-being of our body. Forget about our spiritual growth. Um, when you see something like the gift and here's like, wow, you take a couple drops of this and it has a huge impact on the way you feel and your your spiritual life you start to really see that connection. I think that's one of the value, uh, where a lot of the value of the gift is. Mm-hmm. It's profound that way. Um, although it doesn't work always, doesn't work for everyone in all situations, we have found that people who are deficient in trace minerals don't feel it as much as people who supplement with trace minerals. So it's, again, you know, uh, we have found that the first few times you use it is always extremely Potent, like you know, it 
it's a strong experience. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have steady supply of trace minerals, this experience will diminish, sort of wear off. Um, so do you say, Scott, that it's time that we need to break it off and uh, let people uh, hear us in a week to continue? Hey, Martin. Do we, uh, do we not have a uh, special discount coupon for all the listeners? Oh, gee, I almost forget. Okay. Yes, we do. ORM77. That's only two sevens. Uh, we'll get you 2% of all of the Armus materials. So um, like enjoy. The gift. Like the gift. And yes, including the gift, yes. All of the nanominerals. All of them. Awesome. So that's ORM77. Yes. And this is, this is a rare kind of a discount because we actually don't get a lot of, uh, what should I call it, discount from these uh, um, alchemists. So enjoy. <laughs> All right. Great. Thanks, Martin. So, okay, let's, let's do this, folks. You can find us at www.life-enthusiast.com. Call us at 1-866-543-3388. Uh, visit our podcasts. Uh, the link is on the website under the podcast link or at uh, lifeenthusiast.podomatic.com. I thank you for listening. This is uh, Martin for Life Enthusiast Co-op, restoring vitality to you and to the planet. Too.